Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker betting show. This is the US Open Golf Preview coming to you this weekend from Torrey Pines from the South Course. I'm your host, George Ellick, and I'm joined by two expert guests, expert tipsters, Odds Checkers, very own Nar Lyons and Sporting Life's Ben Coley. This podcast and video is sponsored by Skybet, who are paying 11 places uh, at the US Open this weekend. No bookmaker on the odds checker grids are paying more places. It's a fifth the odds, T's and C's do apply, 18 plus only. And you go to begamblerware.org for all info around responsible gambling. But yeah, a fifth the 11, Nile. you know, when you're, when you're being given places like that, you know, it's, it's pretty appealing to go after a fair few uh, selections and that's exactly what you've done with your staking plan this weekend yeah it's competitive really across the board so there's never been a better time to be a golf hunter to be fair and you're churning out selections sometimes six or seven selections some weeks but you, you know what can you do when there's land place turns out there there's plenty of room for uh, plenty of selections so yeah it's never better and Hopefully we'll make a profit this week. Yeah, fingers crossed. That offer lasts from now until the first ball is struck. So you've got a bit of time as soon as the... Don't be kind of be sleepy on it because as soon as the golf starts on Thursday, uh, those 11 place terms will be cut to something uh, a bit shorter. But Ben, speaking to the man in form at the moment, you know, an 150 to one winner last weekend, you have 400 points up for the season so far. I mean, what's, <laughs> what's the trick? Bet on rubbish tournaments. I think it's probably <laughs> the, um, the secret. No, it's like I think Niall and I are probably in the same boat. Um, we feel like, um, well, I certainly feel like I need to get a major winner soon. But then actually, it, it, it's kind of a nice little insight into how players must feel and how much pressure there is to perform on one of four events per year. Because I think my last major winner was Shane Lowry at Port Rush. It was only five or six tournaments ago in, in yeah. major speak. Um, but you feel, you know, it feels a lot. It obviously is almost two years. So um, I'm fairly desperate to get one over the line in one of these. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not complaining if the if the smaller events take care of it and, and take the pressure off, which Jonathan Caldwell somehow uh, certainly did on Sunday. Yeah, incredible stuff. Uh, before we get into talking through your guys' selections, because I mean, I'm looking forward to speaking to both of you because you're Every time, you know, not just for majors, but all tournaments, your columns are, are so important to read, I think, for any punter, because not only do you give your your tips, but also just a bit of context around the course and around what we're going to be looking for. And it's interesting because you both kind of agree with what um, tests the course is going to provide, but maybe then go down different lines for your selections themselves. But so before we get into the picks, which we will do in, in a second, Niall, just kind of talk us through what you think the South course um, will will look like this week, how you think it's going to play, who you think it's going to suit and how much can we kind of glean from the the form that we see over there, uh, of course, with the North course being thrown in as well uh, during the PGA Tour season. Yeah, well, it's a big debate this week about whether, you know, you lean too heavy on that uh, Tory Pines form. And for me, it's, you know, it's certainly no negative to have good form around there. And if you don't have the form, then, you know, you don't need to, too much importance from it but at the same time I think for him around there is a huge positive I don't know how it couldn't be uh, no matter what time of year it's at whether it's earlier on in the year or later on in the year like it has been a number of years ago uh, the course is going to play obviously very long one of the longest once again the rough will be extremely painful I think we'll get into it obviously uh, when we chat about the event and the players in particular but it could be a lot more difficult, I think, than some previous US Opens with that uh, thick, rough, thick rough that, you know, really has suited the Bombers. And even though it's a long course, obviously, the closer you get to the greens in recent years, 
the easier it's been for those guys to, to take an advantage. And I just don't think it might play out that way this week. I think it might be a shade more nuanced than usual. But it's going to be it's going to be very tough. I think the test even around the greens are, is tougher than what some of those courses in previous years have been, like uh, Beth Pierce Black. So yeah, it's going to be a tough one. I'm really looking forward to it this week. Yeah, I am very excited as well. And of course, we have memories of 2008 when Tiger Woods basically won on one leg. Um, but what's often kind of forgotten about is that the, you know, the, the winning score there was was representative of a course that is going to provide a, a pretty stern test. Ben, I mean, do, can we expect it to be as difficult this weekend? Yeah, I don't see why not. I, I, winning scores are difficult to. Um to get your head around there's always a risk you know that someone runs away with it and if you're ever betting on winning score you know if you, if you bet say 10 under or worse at congressional when Rory won you've mm. been done because one player was exceptional and the rest of the field backed up what you thought so that's that's obviously the the caveat with any winning score prediction but I think anything around level par I'd, I'd I wouldn't say no to that. I, I really don't think it'll be uh, a lot lower. We saw, obviously, again, winged foot, good example. Bryson was was way ahead. What was he, six under in the end? But everybody else, I think he got a place with about six over. Mm. Um, so it, it should be really tough. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see what the USGA do because there's always talk about how they set things up. Um, and, you know, the, there will always be a variety of players in the top 20. We're not going to get the biggest 20 hitters fill the top 20 places, obviously. But if you look at the bottom line of who's won the US Open uh, from 2016 to 2020, you've had Brooks Kepka twice, Dustin Johnson once, uh, Bryson DeChambeau and Gary Woodland. I mean, they're five of the biggest hitters in the sport. Uh, and they were, the courses were set up to favour them. Uh, and DJ, of course, probably should have won it in 2015 as well at Chambers Bay. So, you have to go back to 2014, really, for the last time where it wasn't a, a hugely big hitter-heavy tournament. Um, and the secret there, you know, it was firm, fast, and no rough at Pinehurst. And it amazes me uh, that the USGA don't recognize the success of that tournament and, and go down that route more. Now, they have tried um, with Erin Hills, for example, and obviously these venues are selected some years in advance. So it may just take a little while for that. Uh, it's like the, the the vaccine effect. It takes a couple of weeks. I had to get a COVID <laughs> line in somewhere. Um, so yeah, it may be that they try and uh, try and change their thinking going forward. But for the time being, we've got a long course and thick rough. And when you put those things together, generally speaking, uh, the bigger hitters thrive. And I'm hopeful that'll be the case. Well, you've kind of summed up there the strategy you've chosen when looking for your player profile. But no, you're you're not so sure that it's going to be dominated by those kind of uh, big hitters uh, in this event. Yeah, well, the SJ have talked about kind of just cur- curtailing the, that kind of game. It's one of the, I really don't think they like uh, what Bryson did last year at wing foot. The ball and guards tactics they've, they've, they've come out and said it that they want to they they want to try and stop that game. Uh, they've built obviously Reese Jones has uh, tweaked a few things at this course. He's added a couple of fairway bunkers maybe into the, towards the landing spots of of the likes of Deshambo and Kapka and. You know, behind the ninth green, they've added a shaved runoff area behind the green, where if you're going for the green and two, you'll need to be extremely accurate lengthwise in order to not be in trouble around the green. So there's little stories of, of of trying to get to those guys. And as I say, I really don't think what they like what happened at wing foot last year. And the fact that they're coming out and saying that, basically, you know, if anyone's gonna if anyone's gonna get to them, it'll be the SGA. And the way they set up the courses, if it's, it's hard to imagine at the end of the day, 7,800 yard golf course with high rough not being dominated by these bombers. And to be fair, I've backed a couple. I think if any year 
there'll be a, a slight difference in, in the way it pans out from the likes of Wingfoot and Bethpage. It could be this year, Tory Pines. Yeah, indeed. Well, we'll get into your selections now. Before we do so, just going to point the listener or viewer in the direction of the Odds Checker app. Do download the app now. It's where you get the very best prices, the best place terms as well as are being offered by Skybet for this event. Bookie offers free bets and some of the very best tips in the game. Not all of them, because we have Ben, of course, on Sporting Life. But now you'll find his tips uh, up on the Odds Checker app every single weekend uh, and absolute must-have for anybody listening or watching this who enjoys their punting on golf or other sports do download the app the way we're going to do this normally we go through the favorites and then go on to the selections but we're going to mix it up this time and go through the selections first and then talk through those at the top of the market that we haven't discussed before moving on to a couple of the sub markets and maybe a couple of players just to swerve we haven't discussed yet i'll run through the prices now John Rahm is 10 to 1 favourite ahead of Brooks Kepka, Dustin Johnson, and Bryson DeChambeau, all at 18 to 1. Rory McElroy and Zander Shoffley and Jordan Spieth, all 20 to 1. Colin Morikawa, 25s, alongside Justin Thomas, Tony Finau, Victor Hovland, and Patrick Cantlay, 28 to 1, 30 to 1 bar. But we're going to start with a man right at the top of the list, Niall. Your headline pick is the favourite to win the US Open and win his maiden uh, major tournament. Trophy, John Ram. I absolutely love his chances, and it's obvious at the end of the day. You know what I mean. I'm back in a, I'm back in a favourite and a major, and to be fair, he's a strong favourite. But I think, I actually think that the runaway victory that was snatched from him at the Memorial has actually added a couple of points to his price. You know, it, it probably was going to be seven, eight, nine shots victory, and the way he was playing, it could have been even more. So I think that would have resulted in a slightly shorter price actually than what he currently is. Uh, he's got the Torrey Pines form of course he's finished first and third there but I think he's just reached another level lately and you know there's very few bad rounds in 2021 so far there's only a handful looking at the data golf statistics over the weekend I couldn't believe the strokes gain data from those couple of rounds at the Memorial 7.4 strokes gained in round 2 and 9.9 strokes gained in round 3 that's true stroke gained it's two true stroke gained absolutely uh, with data golf and this they're, the third round at the Memorial was his best ever round in the PGA Tour. That's like absolutely incredible golf that he's playing. And, you know, obviously he comes to Torrey Pines where he absolutely loves. He's got the Tawana form. He's got the West Coast form. I actually think that the 11-1 to that I posted yesterday was is actually very fair, regardless of him being, you know, seven or eight points shorter than really anyone else in the field. He just holds all the aces and... There's a few negatives surrounding a couple of others around the top of the market. And I actually think the 11 the one's a bit of value at the end of the day. I'm quite confident on this one that he's going to be right there. And obviously, he's a major champion in the waiting. And he fits the bill of everything we always talk about in these major podcasts. So, yeah, I'll be surprised if he doesn't give it a right good go. And just those couple of rounds of Memorial, statistically, just completely stand out uh, against the rest of the field. Yeah, you've gone for five points win. As you say, he was 11s yesterday. Then the Nile Lions effect has brought clipped him in a little bit. Still nine to one around uh, if you want the 11 places with Skybet. I mean, there'll be a couple of people listening, Nile, who, who can't have him. Um, so I better try and play devil's advocate for their sake. And, and I guess a couple of the arguments will be, well, firstly, you know, you always talk about how important it is to have players who are challenging for major tournaments going into majors. And, and a kind of quick look at his major tournament form recently would suggest that he has with a tied eight and a tied fifth in the Masters and the PGA Championship 
Although it doesn't really tell the whole story because both days on Sundays, he made late moves out of contention into a top 10 finish. So does that concern you that we haven't really seen him in the thick of things on a Sunday before? And my second question, sorry to do the whole um, journalist during the Downing Street briefings by asking you two questions at once. (laughs) But but my second question is the temperament thing. You know, that's always been the question about Rom is does he have the the mindset to put his bad holes behind him. And it's hard to really think of a course worse than, Tory, than, than the South Course at Torrey Pines where things can go wrong very quickly, where he's going to have to keep his head screwed on and not react too poorly to, you know, maybe making a double uh, here or there because it is so penal. Well, I'll start with the second question first and then try and remember the first question. <laughs> <laughs> or you can ignore the, it like the, like the Prime Minister. <laughs> the, uh, funnily enough, Torrey Pines was one of them uh, moments where... I thought his mentality kind of changed. If you remember in a couple of years ago when Mark Leishman won, I think it was John Ram and Rory McIlroy playing together in the final group, the final day, and they both had a terrible start, Ram in particular, and he rallied that day to almost win the event. He was just done in the end. But that was one of those moments where he was really up against it and showed a fair bit of character to come back. I think there's more and more of that than his game. And in particular, when it comes to, comes to betting John Ram, I tend to look at him actually in running when he's had a poor start. I think, he, I think he's really good at coming from behind. A bad start on a few bogeys or double bogeys wouldn't particularly worry me around the south course. I think he knows that he's he would, he's strong favourite for the, this event and I, and I think his, his confidence will be extremely high. As I say, there's there's just not many negatives surrounding him. I think those back-end uh, top 10s and, and major championships are a sign of his character these days, to be honest. I think we just need a good start. Uh, at the end of the day, you kind of look to Rory McIlroy, who's similar, posting back, back-end top 10 majors, top 10 finishes majors quite regularly after after poor starts. So Ram is, is, is not quite at that standard yet where he's, where he's that poor at the beginning. But at the same time, yeah, he's kind of somewhat unproven on the back line of a major championship yet. But if there's ever anywhere where he can do it, it's going to be Tory Pines. Interesting stuff. And any, anything on the contention issue or should we just move on? No, no, I don't think so. Just Obviously, he's won everything in the game bar a major, so I don't think you can look into it that much. Obviously, when we're saying down the back nine of a major championship, it's going to We'll see what we'll see what what he's made of, but I think we know what he's made of at the end of the day. Like he was he was winning the memorial by six or seven shots there when he had to withdraw. Yeah. Like, I don't think we need much more evidence that he that he can do, that he can win a major championship. Yeah, and I guess it's pretty hard to believe that it's not going to come pretty soon where we're going to see John Rahm uh, right in the thick of things on a Sunday afternoon or a Sunday evening. Then on to your headline pick, four points each way on one of those at the top of the market as well. Bryson DeChambeau, he's 18 to 1 with a few firms as it stands at the moment. And I guess, given what you were saying earlier about power off the tee, this one makes a bit of sense. But also reading your column, it's also to do with his ability, I guess, over other players in what's going to be some pretty heavy rough uh, if you do miss the fairway. You know, it, it will depend a lot on how this tournament plays out and, and the way the course is set up. But I think when we saw at winged foot um, that he is hugely advantaged by those conditions. Um, fairways that are hard to hit, rough that's really thick. And that's always been the formula at Torrey Pines one way or another. I think if you dig down into it, there's there's some talk that the Kikuyu, which is in a, a strain of grass, which is which is in this rough, um, is probably a little bit 
uh, less predictable and you can get good lies and bad lies. Whereas at wing foot, it's just a heavy lie for everybody. And, and that adds a, an element of random. But the bottom line for me is there's nobody in the sport who is better equipped to get the ball out of that rough. And that's a huge advantage. And, and Rory McIlroy talked about it. It's not just his his strength, it's his angle of attack. It's the length. The fact that is the, the shafts on his wedges are considerably longer than Rory McIlroy's are. So you get more club head speed. And all those things were, were in evidence at winged foot where all of a sudden he was one of the best iron players in the field. In fact, I believe he led the field in strokes gained approach. Um, which can be his weakness. I think if you put every player in the fairway from 150 yards out, I'd say of the elite golfers in the world, Bryson DeChambeau is the worst. Um, but when you put them all in the rough, he might be the best. And Torrey Pines is is always been notorious for having hard to hit fairways. They're hard to hit when it's soft in January. It's going to be really firm down the fairway. So they're going to be very, very difficult to hit. So obviously you can't spray it everywhere and get away with it, but he's driving the ball well. You know, his game looks in decent shape and it's that big step forward, which I think we could see um, for conditions, which which makes the difference. And, you know, price-wise, 12 to 1 anti-post, um, 14s at, at best at Christmas with six places. We're now, we can have 18 to 1 with nine or 10 places. He's won since, um, which is, you know, it would be a mark against... Against Ram, I mean, obviously, there's a big caveat there. Ram, in my eyes, Ram has won since um, because there's no way he wouldn't have won that tournament. But even against like players like DJ, okay, won in Saudi Arabia, but that's a big drop in grade. Uh, and and I think we could look at the form of of most of the world's best players and and find little holes in it. And I think probably Deshambo deserves a little bit more respect. And I think the reason his price is being held up is his course form is poor. I value course form very heavily, which you'll see with my other selections. But we're talking about a player who is completely transformed. Bryson DeChambeau in 2018, 2017 versus today is, is a different golfer. You might as well be talking about, you know, Kenny Perry or someone. It's just, just completely irrelevant. Um, and if uh, he can adapt to this test and he's in California, his home state, he's a brilliant putter on Poana, even if he'll, he'll tell you he doesn't like it that much, but he, his stats say otherwise. And again, I think the two best form guides to this are probably the last two majors away from the Masters and Keir Island. So the 2020 PGA and the 2020 US Open, uh, he was first in one and I think fourth in the other. So, um, yeah, I, I like him a lot. I think he's uh, he's got as good a chance as anybody. You mentioned in your preview that one negative is possibly the... Um rivalry let's say with Brooks Kepka going into this the biggest stage and you, you know as a cynic myself you've got to wonder um the timing of all this as we start to hear about the incentivization around golfers and their kind of social media platform and the way that both golfers are kind of use their social media to stoke the fire as well how much of a concern is that that, that maybe you know the golf might not be at the forefront of his mind um either for for genuine reasons of rivalry or, or possibly actually commercial ones I don't know. It's one of those things that's really hard to quantify and you have to have it in the back of your mind and it'd be the same with Ram. Like for how, how do you quantify, how do you value like what happened at Memorial? I think you could easily argue that that is a, a, an actual plus. Um, as as um, Niall said, he could easily have gone and won seven, eight, nine shots and been shorter. Um, and you, you could argue it makes no difference. I think on the other hand, you could say, well, imagine playing good golf but not great golf for nine months then you finally play great golf and you don't get a trophy um, he, that's the best golf of his life he was 20 he gained 20 strokes on the field in three rounds that's ridiculous and you don't get a trophy mm. how does that affect a player we don't know and we'll, we'll 
we might not even find out because it might have nothing to do with how he performs this week. But with Bryson and Brooks, it's a bit of a worry. I don't think the USGA will put them together. He is on home soil. I think if we were in New York um, with a full crowd, a beard up New York crowd, be a big worry. Um, you'd have people getting thrown out left, right and centre and it would be a distraction. In San Diego, maybe the, dare I say, a little bit better mannered um, and less raucous and maybe there are a few more Bryson fans in there. It's not enough of a worry to, to put me off, you know. Um, and also, I think there's a danger that we underestimate Deshombo from a mental perspective. You know, he's done a lot of things over the last five years, which have had people questioning him and his team and his swing and his it's his whole ethos and how you play the sport. And ultimately, for all, I, I would be a critic of the man at times. Um, mm. he, he, If nothing else, he finds the answers. Whatever the problem has been, he was a terrible putter. He worked it out. Um, he's become a very, very good putter. He wasn't long enough, so he went and got longer. He wasn't a very good iron player, so he, he's worked on that and found improvements there. He will work everything out and he'll work out how to perform uh, with this extra focus on him. Whether it's in time for this week, we'll find out. But no, it, it wasn't a massive concern. Noel, your, your second selection, I mean, we've seen quite a few times in the past six months, I was going to say 12 months, but in, in recent times, quality players going through a little sticky patch of form and drifting to absolutely bonkers prices. Is it fair to say your second selection fits that mould? Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I was thinking. I've, I've learned a fair bit off Ben, to be fair, over the last couple of years in, in, in terms of this kind of thing. And obviously, he's nailed quite a few. But, uh, you know, you think of Capgut uh, winning with 33s, DJ winning with 33s, McElroy winning at his, you know, beloved Quail Hollow at 20s or whatever he was. Justin Thomas dressing to 25 is just too much. It's one of those things, I think, towards the top of the market, you know, long term, I think you have to try and let the opportunities come to you. And this 25, the one about Justin Thomas, is just one of those opportunities that I'm delighted to take. And whether he whether he plays, whether he wins or he misses a cut, you know, I'm not going to be too bothered at the end of the week, to be fair. I think the 25, the one's just well worth taking. You know, I would prefer him, obviously, to have better form, but that's the reason why he's at the 25, the one. Uh, he didn't play well in the PGA, but at the end of the day, the Keough Island test was one of those made for open specialists and especially old-timers as well. And Justin Thomas is experienced enough to be fair, but he doesn't quite have that open pedigree as the rest, you know, as some of the top golfers anyway. Uh, his two performances since have been average also, but one of them at the Memorial was uh, a really poor putting performance. And, you know, Justin Thomas can throw them in. And at the same time, then the next week, he can go out and, absolutely put the lights out, you know, so that's the kind of risk you're taking with Justin Thomas. But nevertheless, I consider proximity stats quite important this week. I think, you know, there's plenty of guys going to be hitting the rough. And I think I disagree with Ben just slightly that I think it's it's going to be the typical uh, DeChambeau leg where you get hit, the, you know, you bomb and gouge it. I think DeChambeau will be left plenty of 50 to 100 yard shots in the greens. Uh, to try and see if par, and I think you know Thomas comes into his own whenever you know. Well, anything up to two hundred yards, I suppose. Thomas is great with uh, approach and proximity, so I would prefer him to have a slightly better record on the West Coast and on Polana Greens. But at the same at the, at the same time, he, he's world number two, and I'm just delighted to, have to take a twenty-five to one. I, I don't care how he plays during the week, and I'm just chuffed to get twenty-five to one about Justin Thomas on a major. 
2.5 points each way. Justin Thomas at 25 to 1 there for Nile. Um, your, let's put your second and third picks um, together. Otherwise, we're going to be here all day, Ben. Um, Victor Hovland and Tony Finau, two men uh, looking for their first major victories. Yeah, and a great example of the, the quandary that uh, is presented in some ways by the 10 and 11 places we can have. Um, there's no way either player is entitled to be considered an equal uh, likely winner as Justin Thomas. There's just They're just not. However, I would probably say that both of them actually are more likely to place. So I think he's, JT might be a bit of a boom or bust selection as, as Niall has spoken about. And he was right on the towards the top of my shortlist as well um, because he, he can definitely bounce back probably more so than most of the, the world's best players actually is prone to those those swings in form. But um, look, Hovland, I felt, was a little bit short for the USPGA because it was the narrative that Paspalum Greens were all of a sudden, you know, he, he must he must therefore be be backed when really that was what we were saying was that he played well in Puerto Rico and Mexico in generally weak fields. I think it's far more relevant um, that he's been second at Torrey Pines um, as he was at the start of this year. Um, speaking about those massive strokes gained rounds of Rams at Memorial, um, Hovland's second round 65, he gained almost 10 strokes on the field. It was an absurd round in difficult conditions, foul weather. And it speaks to to his qualities. He's, he's a brilliant ball striker when he's on. And he generally has been for most of the year. He's, he's top six finishes in half of his starts in stroke play tournaments this year. He's done everything but win. Um, the, 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 the negatives, he's not really contended for a major. He had a look at the leaderboard at Keogh Island and, and didn't kick on. Um, he hasn't won a good event. You know, he's not won a playoff event or a, a high field strength event, really. And they are concerned. But his record in California, Poana Greens, you know, he, he won the US Amateur at Pebble Beach. He was also 12th in this at Pebble Beach. Um, I think he's got so much in his favour, um, more so than he did in the PGA. And it was only a bad putter that kept him from the first page of the leaderboard, if you like, at the Memorial. So I do like him. Finaus is obvious as, as you're going to see this week, right? He's not finished outside the top 25 at Torrey Pines. He's been there seven times. I remember reading an article seven years ago when he came onto the PGA Tour and it was about how Tory Pines is going to be a great fit for him. Whoever wrote it was absolutely spot on because he's been bang there um, every year in seven. Uh, loves the South Course. His his long fade off the tee is perfect. If you look at his recent form, you know he's placed in both majors. Same things you said about Rama Play. He's not really looked like winning either of them this time, but he has. Uh, obviously had a look at winning majors. He's played in a couple of final groups. He, he He's had a chance to win several. Uh, the negative is obvious. He doesn't win, right? Everyone will tell you that. But uh, does that continue? I don't know. And I, what I do know is he's been unlucky as well as uh, lacking a bit of ruthlessness. And I think, you know, he was inches from winning at Riviera, which is a good form guide, I suspect. And if Max Homer's uh, shot to the 10th hole in the playoff had, had gone behind the tree instead of next to it, Finau wins and that's just bad luck isn't it you know what can you do about that so I, I, yeah. I was on Ben so you don't have to worry about that <laughs> sorry about that <laughs> but yeah to, to sum up in in any other event when you get in six or seven places um, do you want to be taking 25 to 1 Finau can you argue that he deserves to be the same price as Patrick Cantlay a winner last time or Justin Thomas a winner of loads of events no when you get 11 places I do think it it should shift how you approach things and just add a little bit more leeway there um, and where Finau is concerned I think he's as likely as anyone in the tournament just about maybe bar Ram to play well um, and if he plays well we'll take our chances on Sunday yeah surely would be two very popular winners certainly Tony Finau I would be over the moon if he can get over the line uh, this weekend both from a personal perspective and also a financial one too uh, Niall couple that's that's grouped together now for you one point each way Adam Scott and uh, 
one point each way, Louis Oosthuizen? Adam Scott's obviously a risky one, but I think the 80 to one's quite decent. You know, I backed him at the start of the year in Hawaii. I think Ben might have been honest in Hawaii as well, actually. Uh, his approach play was absolutely off the charts, but, you know, he, he was, even for Adam Scott's standards, he, he was doing ridiculous things on the greens and, and around the greens, so he just couldn't contend. But his approach play was was unbelievable at the start of the year. His form kind of tailed off since then. He played okay at the Honda. He was 13th there, but again, it was a poor putting performance, so he actually could have finished much higher. Uh, but again, his long game was in good nick. And then last time at the Memorial, there were very good signs. All parts of his game were, were in working order. He's good experience around here at Torrey Pines. He finished 26th in uh, the 2008 US Open renewal. So he, he has experience of you know, maybe the difficulty, which might play out here. He was top 10 at Bethpage and at Pebble Beach. So it takes the Poana box and the West Coast box and you know, I just think on his on his days long and straight, and that's what you're going to need this week. Obviously, you're going to find plenty of rough throughout the week. That's just going to be that's just going to be part of the process. But nevertheless, he, he can he, he's he's a great ball striker, and I think eighty to one with with the places on offers just quite tempting. I was half tempted by Leishman again, who back in the PGA, but he had, he had he had no excuses to not perform there at the end of the day with the leaderboard that we we saw on Sunday with the open specialists. So. I had to reluctantly leave him out. Uh isn't not totally enamored with the price, fifty to one. It's just okay, but he posted his fifth runner up finish uh, in a major championship at the PGA last month. And it's, it's, it's incredible really, and it maybe doesn't he doesn't get the credit he deserves for those kind of efforts. Obviously we've talked about uh contention in the previous major being a a, a huge pointer and although I Although KOL is a bit different because it was it favoured, you know, old timers and it favoured open specialists. But nevertheless, Bruce Tasten was right in the mix. In fact, he was the really he was the only one who was pushing uh, Mickelson towards the end of that round. He's kind of become a US Open specialist, finished seventh at Pebble uh, two years ago and third at Winged Foot then last year. And he was kind of fighting with Bryson that Sunday too. So he's a lot of experience in the heat of major championship battle at the weekends over this last couple of years. Uh, and he really deserves another major, doesn't he? More than mm. plenty of others in the game, even towards the top. You know, can you really say Justin Thomas deserves another major? Or you know, you know that took Dustin Johnson a long time to get his second. But Louis Eastman's banging away these these runner-up finishes. And as I say, I just don't think he gets enough credit for it. And you know, he's now become an expert at these tough, long major tracks. And you know, if he can manage to hold a few putts and keep his score going, in particular power putts over the weekend, then. You know, he could be right up there again. I think I'm right in saying that he only hold two putts over six yeah, or seven right. foot for the whole weekend yeah. at Kiowa. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's incredible, and, and he was he was still right in the mix. Uh, you know, come the middle of the back nine on Sunday, and there was a couple of more. Maybe if the final four holes had played like they had done all, all week without the wind chains, you know, it could have been a it could have been a different finish there with someone posting a score uh, a couple of groups ahead. Yeah, well, Louis says in 50 to 1, 40 to 1 with Skybet if you want the 11 places and Adam Scott 80 to 1 best price, 66 is with Skybet. I should have mentioned the prices of Ben's two we just discussed as well. Uh, Tony Finau, 28 to 1, Victor Hovland, the same price. Best prices if you want the Skybet 11 places. You can take 22s there and as, as Ben says, maybe those are two shrewd ones to, to take the places for because... Um, Doubts maybe about their winning potential, but certainly as solid bets coming into here, they look like value each way bets. Uh, a couple more 
Ben, for you now, your your final two, Will Zalatoris. And I thought the quotes you included in your in your preview were, were pretty telling and pretty persuasive in terms of making him a punting prospect. Uh, and Paul Casey as well, uh, both one point each way. Yeah, nothing if not persuasive. Um, <laughs> look, Zalatoris is from California, he grew up on these greens. I, I do think that's a, a big pointer and, and a big help. If you look at the 2008 leaderboard, when when Tiger won, obviously Tiger's from California, but all over that leaderboard, all the surprise names, and we shouldn't forget there were a lot of surprise names on that leaderboard, which is it's going to be interesting to see if that plays out again. I suspect it won't. Um, but almost all the, the names you didn't expect to see got really, really strong California form. Even Rocco Mediate went on to win uh, the Fries.com Open a few years later later at Cordoval, mm. but everyone up there, Jeff Ogilvie is a winner in California. I think was it DA points or DJ Trahan? It was one of those two. And I always get one of mixed the up when it went on to win in California as well. Um, it, it's just a really good pointer. And I think if you look back at the last major we had in California, Colin Morikawa, uh, who grew up nearby, was the winner. And if you go back to the year before at Pebble Beach, Gary Woodland, a regular contender, be it at Farmers at Pebble Beach or at, um, or at, Riviera. So I think it's a huge pointer to, to look at those who do well on the West Coast. It's part of the reason a lot of people fancy Zander Schofle and Patrick Cantlay. And um, for me, Will Zalatoris at, at twice the odds is is more compelling. Obviously, he's placed in all three majors since he um, since he became the player he is. Um, he, he did play in one in 2018 and, and didn't do so well, but he's completely transformed since then. Uh, he's a big hitter. He's a brilliant iron player. Um, and his problem is the putter. Obviously, he's not yet won on the PGA Tour, and that's a that's a negative. I do think you would have probably looked at Morikawa and said, "Well, he's not, you know, he's not really played enough majors." And Matt Wolf, who was a, a consistent feature of the majors last year, again just did it straight off the bat. And I think um, a player like Zalatoris is capable of of doing it. I mean, he was second at the Masters, right? You're not mm. supposed to you're not supposed to stick around like that if you're if you're new to it. So, um, I do like him a lot. Um, he will need to hit his approach shots better than he did last time, but that was the end of a four-week run at a course which probably doesn't suit. And Torrey Pines, where he was seventh back in January, um, it's a brilliant course for him. I've no doubt about that. So um, hopefully he can continue this wonderful run and maybe even uh, maybe even get that first win in spectacular fashion. Uh, the other ones at the other end of the scale, Paul Casey. I did consider Ustazen for all the reasons uh, Niall pointed out. I think I just drawn by Casey's bigger muscles um you know he, he's one of the most powerful players out there when it comes to getting out of rough and things like that he's a brilliant driver i think his form now is slightly better than it was in the spring he's played well all year um, but he was very popular at 40 and 33 for the masters and he's a little bit bigger this time and i don't really think there's a reason for that except that his his form at tory pines isn't spectacular but he's not played it for four years he's in better form now uh, than when last he did and he was i think he was 28 so it's a decent look around and also you know Again, go back to those two majors I talked about as good form guides. Well, he was brilliant at Harding Park. I don't think he did anything wrong there when when beaten by Morikawa. And then he went on to wing foot where he shot 76 in round one and still finished in 17th. And actually double bogeyed the last, but for which he would have been um, paying out on each way bets again. He would have finished eight. So he's become an excellent major golfer. And I, I don't want to dwell too much on things like perspective, but I do think um, he has found a way to treat um, his success now uh, in a in a more relaxed way. I think it's probably why he's become a winner again in his forties. You know, he's won four tournaments since twenty eighteen, having having gone quite a long time without one. 
Um, and I think his his perspective is is brilliant. And whether that holds through the whole tournament, you know, I'd, I'd be somewhat doubtful. But it's exactly the sort of thing that can help him build a platform. And I'd be disappointed if he doesn't play well because he's got all the attributes for this. So, uh, and, and I do think he can win. I, I, I do. I know some people will think, okay, I'm a, I'm just playing for six or whatever. No, I do think he can win. Uh, and seeing a 50 year old win the USPGA, and it's been a year of veteran winners. Well. Yeah, 43-year-old Casey. Yeah, the time is now. I think you can go very close. The time is now for Paul Casey, certainly playing some incredible stuff and seems to fit. I was looking yesterday during my own research um, at who kind of ticks the boxes of being able to hit the ball very far off the tee and able to hit the ball very straight off the tee. And nobody really fits that better than than Paul Casey. So fingers crossed he can follow up uh, so many good major performances with a win for you uh, over the weekend. Um, Niall, a couple of big price ones for you just to finish off. Yeah, I think Brian Harmon has been quite popular in the majors this year. He was quite popular at the Masters. And again, at the PGA, didn't perform at the PGA, but again, as I've said, it suited open specialists. I don't read too much into any uh, poor performance there. And it was mainly a bad putting performance that contributed to his finish there. But outside of that, he hasn't been outside the top 18 in his last uh, six events. He was third at Sawgrass earlier on in the year uh, and eighth at the Charles Schwab last time out. He led after rounds one and two, or, or after rounds two and three of the Iron Hills, Yes, Open in 2017 and was second after rounds one and two of the Masters this year. Eventually finished 12th there. So he's gaining major experience uh, in and around the lead. He's playing great stuff all season, as I say. You know, not outside the top 18 in those last six events, bar the PGA. is absolutely superb form, gaining strokes in all departments. And, uh, you know, if the USGA somehow curtail... Uh, the likes of, of Bryson and Kapka uh, employing their bomb and gouge tactics, then, you know, Brian Harmon may be one of those to capitalise upon that. Uh, along the same lines, Kevin Streeman having another very good year. He obviously, sacrifices a fair bit off the tee, but he finished in the top 10 on the PGA and he was, you know, well in the mix there on Sunday, you know, faded towards the end of the front nine, but nevertheless, it was. It was his best major effort in, in what has been a, a poor major career really so far, but you know that was his best. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he just c- kicks on from that. He, he followed up with top 20s at the Charles Schwab in the Memorial. He loves the West Coast. Uh, good experiences on Puana Greens. With a, he's actually a great record at Pebble Beach. He's finished runner-up there and a few other great finishes. He finished third here at Torrey Pines in 2016. Obviously, with a game like streaming, you know, I think he will need to uh, scramble very well and um, from inside 100 yards in the last 50 rounds he, he ranks third in the field he's generally really consistent at approaching the greens from anything inside 200 yards so you know Mediate was an example of you know obviously the game has really changed since 2008 but Mediate went toe to toe with Tiger and uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see a few of these guys up the, towards the top of the leaderboard on Sunday and really Harmon and Streelman are those informed guys with that type of game and both sitting at triple figure? So I'm happy to take it. Yeah, two big price there for Niall. Uh, they were 125 when you put them up. Prices now, uh, yeah, still 125 is about for Harmon and Streelman. 150 is a bit, but you're not getting uh, that move at eight places. You can get 125 for Streelman, 11 places, which is definitely the way to play it. That's with with Skybet would be the way to go for Streelman. We're now just going to run through some of the likely contenders that we haven't touched upon yet. And Ben, in your 
column, you wrote that you were kind of choosing between Bryson, who we've already covered, uh, Justin Thomas, who we've covered because Nile put him up, and Brooks Kepka, who's second uh, in the betting or second on the odds checker grids at 18 to 1 at the moment. Yeah, and Kepka would have been firmly third in that group. It was more a case of I, I was happy to, to basically overlook everybody else shorter than 20 to 1, and, but Kepka was the one where I kept looking at I, I do think his preparation last week at the Palmetto Championship was quite good. Um, he, he only played two rounds and in the in the heat of South Carolina at this time of year, I don't think that's a bad thing. Mm. And statistically, the only reason he wasn't there for the weekend is that he, he didn't make a putt. When he said afterwards, I'm really pleased with where my game is and, and all that, I actually believe him. I know Kepka is is someone to to put a positive message across regardless, but um I do think he he's probably on the right track. Um that being said, uh, there is a little niggle about how he's been playing under pressure in majors, which is sounds silly. But um, it, it, you know, is that just variance? Is that just because you know, no one can continue, to, you know, converting the way that he has done? I would agree with that in terms of like why he hasn't won another. I don't think it necessarily excuses the way he failed to push Mickelson. He did not apply any pressure. He took the lead after the first hole at Keir Island. Mm. And then after that, he, he was gone after four or five holes. And that amazed me. Um, I can accept him finishing second or third, but the way in which he, he did was, was disappointing. And I think when you... It's a, it's a bit like Matt Wallace on the European tour. He came out and it's obviously at different levels. He won four times or whatever it was in 18 months. And I think he built an image for himself, which is impossible to keep up. And then when things start to go wrong, it almost adds to the pressure of why you haven't you won again. Like we, we all thought you you were, this is what you do. You're a winner. And, and all of a sudden you can't do it. Why not? Whereas anybody else, you say, well, yet again, Brooks Kepka played well at a major and it, it should be a positive. But for him, it it feels like it, it it's just viewed slightly differently. Probably gone over in my analysis of him but I do I do respect his chance I, I think he's very hard to predict he, he's very much boom or bust he's, I think he's got six missed cuts and two seconds and a win in the last six months you know so um, if he's around for the weekend then 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 watch out but um, he wouldn't be one um, I could be confident in in selecting that said I preferred him to, to show flair I think he's he's a little bit underpriced and and the other one I, I did like at sub 25 to one sorry to steal the um, no it's the, the, the next name but I suspect you were going to ask about Patrick Cantlay at some stage and yeah I did think Cantlay like is kind of the the opposite of Ron like he he won ultimately and he still had to beat Colin Morikawa and I've, although he had a bit of fortune um you know, he, he got the job done and that'd be an enormous boost to his confidence. And actually, I don't think, you know, he's gone off shorter for other majors than 25s. I didn't think it was, he'd really been treated like he deserved to be treated in some respects. Uh, the the slight issue for me is that he's not been great in majors lately. And when you look at his Tory Pines form, it's poor. So there are a couple of negatives, but I'd rather back Cantlay than Chauflay. And I do sort of group them together. They're, they're quite hard to separate usually. Cantley, Chauflay, and uh, Brooks covered there from Ben. So let's now talk about Dustin Johnson and Rory McIlroy. DJ eighteen to one best price. Rory twenty to one. And from my untrained eye, it feels like there's quite a bit going for DJ. Kind of sneakily, you know, you look at him in terms of player profile. Another one who hits the ball very far and pretty straight when he's playing well. Very, very good out of rough for probably the same reasons as Bryson in terms of pure power. And not a bad little prep run after a, a bad, you know, a, a poor, well, by his standards, a poor run of form last weekend where he came out and shot a 65 and a 68 before falling away over the weekend. Yeah, well, it was disappointing over the weekend, but I wouldn't read too much into it. It, wouldn't, it certainly wouldn't put me off a golfer whenever uh, you're going into a major championship. But as Ben mentioned earlier on, you know, he, won, he won in Saudi Arabia at the start of the year. It was a drop in class, but 
he hasn't really threatened since. And uh, a miss called the Masters and a miss called the PGA is not the it's not the, the preparation that you want before going into uh, this US Open. And um, even though you're getting a bigger price about DJ than what you were a couple of months ago, or we're in the eight or nine to one mark, you can get fourteen to one. It's just not quite big enough. And you know, as I mentioned earlier on with Justin Thomas, you kind of let the opportunities come to you with some of these golfers and the price about. Dustin just probably just isn't big enough yet. You know, 14 to 1 to win this US Open, which is going to be extremely tough. It's a bit of uh, 18 to 1's best price. And I, and I guess you could argue that he'd be a win only bet, wouldn't you, uh, given his current form? Uh, yeah, possibly. But uh, there's enough negatives surrounding him yeah. and, and, and enough positives surrounding, you know, a handful of others around the same price that, you know, I think he's easily overlooked. You know, Ben mentioned Brooks there. You know, obviously we've covered him, but there's a slight worry. Just I, I can't believe him saying that as well. Slight worry around the not closing the major championships. It was probably enough just to make me swerve him, despite you know 14 top tens and 25 majors or whatever. You're obviously getting huge profit if you back him, but it was enough to make me swerve him. McElroy, I consider him this week not for very long, but you know. The price is, is certainly interesting. And, you know, a few years ago, I was a big advocate of, you know, if McElroy heads towards 20 to 1 for any major, he just must be back. Uh, he'll, win one, he'll win more than one, 1 in 20, even at this stage in his career. He's got he's got decent form around Torrey Pines as well. He's played quite well around here. But again, there was just uh, a few more few more positives around other guys in the market, obviously. Ben, or ben mentioned Cantley there. He, he's another informed golfer, always slightly overrated by the market for me. The fact that he comes in here around the 25 to 1 mark after winning is, you know, kind of a vindication of that, really. Like, you know, that he's gone off shorter before, but now he comes in after a win. And, you know, he, he's still at a, a somewhat of a backable price that I think he's been underpriced in majors and other tournaments before. I think we've covered that oh, Schofler was the one for me up, up there towards the top that was just completely unbackable. And I, I, you know, I don't give stuff for his chances. You know, the 18 to 1 for him is absolutely ludicrous. For, you know, obviously he's got a great major record. And if you're talking about each way bets and and making a small percentage of profit backing guys like that, you know, that's not for me. I'm trying to find a winner at the end of the day. And the price just doesn't... He, he can win on Sunday and we can all sit back and go happy enough not to have backed that 18-1. to one. We can let it slide. Uh, so, obviously, he has shown uh, frailties in the lead, you know, this last couple of years. It's been two and a half years since his last win as well. And he's let a few chances slip through his fingers. So, yeah, there's... He's another guy with you know a few negatives towards the top of the market, and all I can advise people to back John Ram and sit back and enjoy the week. Simple as that. <laughs> For I'm just going to ask you one more, one more player because I cannot believe we are this far into this preview and we haven't mentioned Jordan Spieth's name once at the moment. He sits in the market at twenty to one. I mean, there are obvious concerns around um, you know course fit and things like that. Did he ever cross your mind to to back him again for for another major here? Yeah, he crossed my mind. He crossed my mind every week that he plays. You'll be you'll uh, be having a few quid on the exchange, won't you, on uh, on Thursday morning? Uh, I, I'll happily admit to doing that sometimes. But I actually <laughs> won't. I actually won't this week. I was kicking myself a few weeks ago when uh, I didn't preview the event that he that he got into the lead in, and I was thinking about just throwing a few <laughs> throw throw a few quid on the machine that week, and I didn't. But he didn't win in the end but again I think his price was just a bit short for me it could play out that way that you know short you know the game from inside 100 yards could prove to be really important this week we don't know yet 
but if if the rough is, is completely unplayable or somewhat unplayable, like you know, you can't just reach the greens, or you know, it's that difficult to control the ball out of the Kakuya that you're going to miss the greens, then yeah, Jordan Spieth is, is going to be one of those guys to beat. And you know, there's, there's not many negatives surrounding his form all year, so uh, yeah, of course, he's a contender, just not as big a price as I would like him to be. We're going to, I mean, unless you've got something to say, I mean, there are three more players we'll discuss, Ben, before we move on. Um, you know, Colin Morikawa has obvious claims, so solid. Uh, Patrick Reed, somebody who, who likes the, um, the South course and has form uh, in the Farmers. But I just want to ask as well about Till Hatton, who comes into um, this weekend, seemingly with a game that could go well uh, on course and, and coming into it in pretty good form as well. Yeah, he um, he hit it really, really well last week. Um, Tita Green, he was, he was near flawless. He could so easily have won that tournament, despite never really looking like he could win the tournament. Yeah. You know, he just hit the ball so well. Now, can he can he find a putting stroke in time for this week? Will the Poana Greens frustrate him even more? Yeah, it would be a slight concern for me. I'd, I, he's also one of the, there are a few of them, certainly Europeans in particular, who haven't had a look at the course, which is a bit of a negative. But I think if you were at the start of the year when he was winning in Abu Dhabi and, you know, that's, that was what his third win in, in 12 months or whatever, um, you'd have been saying, well, 50 to 1 for any of the majors is, is worth a second look. But I would I would be more inclined to, to hold fire. And if you're encouraged by what you saw last week, then maybe maybe the Open Championship, um, you know, given his, his form on, on Lynx courses. I also, and, and we'll see if this plays out, I don't think it was, a, and I touched upon this earlier, I don't think playing four rounds at the Palmetto is the best way to prepare. Every, you know, different strokes for different pokes and stuff. And, you know, some some players simply must play the week before, else they feel like they've not prepared properly. I, I would say you'd been better off spending the weekend at Torrey Pines, um, especially when you've not spent much time there. I don't know as he's ever played the course. Um, so, yeah, enough negatives for me, but he's, he's one of the best players in the world on, on his best form, isn't he? And a bit like Webb Simpson, like they're quite easy to forget about when we focus on the elite players and, and potentially a little bit more power. Um, and yet you'll you'll still expect to see Webb finish 20th and they'll probably be the same with Tyrrell Hatton. You know, uh, I, I suspect he'll make the cut and, and, and do okay, but I don't think he's the winner. Let's move on then to to some of the um, sub-markets. And last time we did this for the USPGA, Ben, you tipped up a winner, which was Phil Mickelson, top former winner. <laughs> so it's the worst 28-1 winner you've ever heard, isn't it? He had to win the tournament to land the bet. So you might as well have backed him outright at 200. Uh, it's just the worst 28 tournament. I was thinking life. of you when I was watching the exchange market and it was like when it was flip-flopped after that first hole, I was thinking this is basically just the same market as the top as the top four, four winner market now, which is, which is amazing. And do you know what? It's, it's an indication of how well this year has gone for me. Like I, I'm not, I'm, this is not self-deprecation or whatever. You know, all of us feel hard done by when, when things don't go our way. But when I'm, you know, I put him up in that market because I thought a lot of those former champions would play poorly. Almost every former champion played brilliantly and he still won it. So that's luck uh, on my part. So hopefully we'll have some more this week, but I, I feel like I might have used it all up. What have you got for us um, this weekend? I think the best bet, honestly, by quite a long way, but it's, you, it's odds on, um, is to, to Dutch Adam Scott and Mark Leishman in the top Aussie market. You get 10 to 11. They've got Cameron Smith to beat. That Matt Jones deserves respect. I actually put him up for the PGA, but this is a completely different test. I don't think he'll he'll take to it. And you've got Brad Kennedy, Wade Ormsby, and Steve Allen are the other three Australians. They will all miss the cut, surely. Mm. You've got Cameron Smith to beat. Cameron Smith's form has, 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 has gone off. Uh, he was poor at the PGA and poor last time. Um, he's got a 
sneaky good record on the south course, but I, he does give up distance to Scott and Leishman. But I know he's of the three, he's the one who's had the better year. And I don't underestimate, you know, he nearly won the US Open at Chambers Bay. He's nearly won the Masters. He, he's a brilliant player. I, I have a lot of time for him. But if you can have Leishman and Scott together in what I think is a, a three-way um, market, and, and they're the two with a real Tory Pines form. Uh, Adam Scott, runner-up, Mark Leishman, a, a winner here. I think that's by some distance the, the best specials bet. There are a couple of others of interest. I think Taylor Pendrith at 13 to 2 in a four-way top Canadian uh, is interesting. Corey Connors, 8 to 13, probably the winner. Um, but the other two, uh, Mackenzie Hughes and Adam Hadwin, I can easily oppose. And the key with Taylor Pendrith is he is probably one of the top five or six in terms of distance off the tee in this field. Uh, he's certainly got 20 yards on on all of his Canadian compatriots. So 13 to two, four horse race. I like. Um, I like Eduardo Molinari, top Italian. He's got his brother and Guido Migliosi to beat. He's the outsider of three. And I'm trying to find a way. Someone somewhere who is sharp um, has put up Chan Kim in the side markets because he's been cut across the board. Chan Kim is a huge hitting American who's been trying to find a path to the PGA Tour via the Japan Golf Tour, where he's a five-time winner. Um, four of those wins in very difficult conditions. Crucially, he hits it miles. Again, up there with Pendrith and not far behind the likes of DeChambeau uh, in terms of driving distance. He's got good major form. He's only played in eight of them. He was 11th in the Open in 2017 as a, as a qualifier, and he was 27th in the US PGA a couple of weeks ago. That's good form, you know, 27th place in, in, in a world-class field. He won his qualifier two weeks ago for this. Justin Sir was back in third. He's a decent qualifier and he, he dusted them. And I think he can play well, but how do you side with a player like that? You know, you can have a thousand on the exchanges. Well, not only is he not going to win, he's probably not going to get you into a position where you can really make something of that. If you back him each way with 11 places, you're actually really probably playing for three places. Like he's not, yeah. he's not going to finish in the top five, you know? So it's all these conundrums. I liked him for the top 20. I think maybe... I have to accept that he was 25s, he's now 12s, and and the boat has uh, left the, the harbour. Guy that go five places, top American, 250 to one. Yeah, the problem is I like loads of other Americans. So again, <laughs> I, I could see him being one of the top 10 Americans. Maybe I'll ask them to do a price on that for me. But um, yeah, maybe maybe you just accept that you can't get a big price win out of him and he, he might be three to one to win his three ball. And if he wins that Friday, Thursday and Friday, then he's done the job for us, hasn't he? So yeah. he's just a name to keep in mind, Chan Kim, because he's a massive hitter with loads of talent. Um, I, I think he's good enough to, to really get to the PGA Tour, but it's a difficult journey when you're playing out in Japan. So we'll see how he does. Chan Kim there uh, for Ben also. Eduardo Molinari, 5-2, to two, top Italian. And Taylor Pendrith, 13-2 to two, uh, with Skybet for top Canadian. Uh, Niall? Yeah, just a couple that I like. Uh, one of them would be, uh, it's risky at the end of the day. It's only a second major, but uh, Marcus Armitage at 5-1, to one, top 40, I think. Is worth the risk. Obviously, won the Porsche European Open a week or two ago there, and you know the scenes were absolutely unbelievable. It was great to see, and uh, he's riding the crest of a wave. He was he was eighth in Himmerland and fourth in Austria earlier on the year. He's playing great golf all year. He has a sixth place at Leopard Creek, you know, on a, a notoriously tough course in South Africa. And yes, he's very inexperienced in major championships. Obviously, inexperienced around this track too. But you know, you're talking, you know. Marcus Armitage at the top of his game. You know, what, what score's going to need to get into the top 40 here? God knows, you know, 10 over will probably certainly be in the top 40. Is Marcus Armitage capable of shooting 10 over? Yeah, of course he is. 
even even on you know only a second meter championship, but he's five to one out there for the top forty. I just think given the way he's playing and and the the crest of a wave that he's riding, you know, it's mm. it's worth chancing. Can I add a, a good positive for you there now? Sorry to interrupt, but um I, I do think Green Eagle, which is the longest course in the European Tour, is actually like it's a really good event to have won. And when Jordan Smith won it in 2017, his next appearance was in the USPGA and he finished eighth or seventh. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think it's an interesting shout. Yeah, that's good positive. Uh, the, the other bet I was just looking at uh, was Bernd Riesberger, uh, 60 to 1 out, out there for top European. Now, I know I'm back in Ram and I consider him a strong favourite. It'd be tough to beat, but nevertheless. He's 52 in the world. He's actually the 14th ranked European in the world, and he's 16th in the betting. You know, there's not a huge difference in that, but you're getting four places. And he was very impressive winning a couple of starts ago, and a couple of years ago when he was winning, the, you know, he won the Rolex or one or two Rolex events in the European Tour. I was looking to him to be a possible major champion, and I think the COVID break didn't really help his chances and might have hindered someone who was maybe. Uh, just beginning to to realise his full potential, and you know, then I went a couple of starts ago. He was, and he was so impressive there a couple of weeks ago. If there's ever a bomb and gouger, you know, from the European Tour that could play well around Tory Pines, then it just might be Bernd Wiesberger, and you get the sixty to one just for the top European. So, yeah, I thought he was interesting. Interesting stuff. Uh, definitely some value in those sub-markets. Uh, thank you very much to both Ben and Niall for joining us on the preview today. Make sure you check out their previews and their columns. Niall's on the Odds Checker app and website and Ben's over on Sporting Life. Uh, do download the Odds Checker app for the best prices, best place terms, bookie offers, free bets, and of course the tipsters as well. Uh, make sure you check out our sponsors, Skybet's offer for the US Open, paying 11 places before the first ball is hit. This offer applies to each way bets only, of course. A fifth, the odds. Uh, Dead heat rules do apply. Further T's and C's are available to find on the site. 18 plus only. You can visit begambleaware.org for all responsible gambling details. Uh, Thank you very much to you guys. Some brilliant insight there. Really excited about the weekend's golf. Good to see a proper test being laid on. Uh, And hopefully we'll get a couple of winners up. So do enjoy the golf and please gamble responsibly. 